Hey everyone, my name is Yara, and you're listening to the Dating Rewards podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you so much also for being patient with me this week. This episode was meant to come out on Friday, but I was incredibly tired, and I really wanted to listen back to this episode so I could write beautiful snow notes and also record an intro that would do it justice, because it's a really, really beautiful interview that I'm so excited to share with you. So I'm bringing to you my friend Mia Rose, who does incredible work around magic and plants and ritual, and yeah, who really just went deep in this episode and had so much beautiful stuff um, on her mind. So we talked about yearning for intimacy with the landscape, about ceremonial magic, mugwort and lemon balm, about sharing between plant and human bodies, and about how magic can support folks who live with experiences of isolation, chronic illness and suicidal ideation. We also talked about staying embodied in this time and place, which is no small thing to achieve. So yeah, I really hope you liked the episode and if you have any thoughts to share, I would love to hear from you. A couple of announcements as always for me. Um, I've just completed a Tarot for Beginners workshop on Sunday this weekend and if you want to receive the replay, do get on my newsletter, I'll send that out then. Um, I have one last workshop coming up on the 4th of December for the year that I'm really excited about. I think it's going to be my favorite workshop, to be honest. So it is about business planning for 2019 and it's going to be a slightly longer 90-minute one um, because I want to go really deep into storytelling in business, setting really authentic, doable goals that feel good, making sure we're not getting sucked in into competition or scarcity in January when everyone is hyping <laughs> themselves up around New Year's goals and dieting and all that stuff. So I want to come together and think about how we can make 2019 more sustainable for us, how we can make more space for creative work, bring more clients in, feel more confident and uh, good on social media and put systems and structures in place that support our work and just make everything a lot easier. So you can come and ask me absolutely anything. I'll prepare a nice presentation for you and if you can't make it live there will be a replay. Um, I will add the sign up for that to the show notes as well. Um, and then other than that, I'm going to run um, some more into workshops in January and February around folk herbalism and the tarot because that's been really great fun and I love meeting you guys. And I'll tell you also quickly where the Patreon is at. So it was my birthday about 10 years at <laughs> 10 days ago and I was able to start the free Solidarity Apothecary in Brighton. Um, we, as my birthday party, uh, we strained, bottled and labelled um, more than 100 bottles and gave them out in the local community and that is possible because more than 130 patrons are supporting me now. So I'm incredibly grateful and I'm also really, really happy to give you stuff in return. So I have still have spots where you can pledge $13 or more and receive monthly readings um, or you can just um, pledge $3 or more and get access to the Magic of Embodiment program, which is year long. We're in module two at the moment, but you get lifetime access, so there's no rush. You can um, catch up in your own time and you can join monthly webinars if you want to and you can just receive a ton of inspiration around um, plant magic, simpler recipes, tarot spreads, meditation, self-massage practices and 
yeah, just meet other people that are having similar interests. Okay, thank you so much for listening. As always, please share if you like this stuff. Please leave a review and, and enjoy the show. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I love starting my episodes with lovely giggles <laughs> like this one <laughs> because I just had such a beautiful chat with my podcast guest, which I will tell you more about in a second. But yeah, welcome. I'm um, really happy that this interview is happening. I'm sure we'll talk about amazing things. And I have Neil here with me. So we met on Instagram initially and then um you know as instagram crushes grow i was kind of going back into the archive and looked at all the lovely things and just discovered a ton of magic and a really grounded and beautiful and earthy approach that i could also relate to politically um and then i explored her website and was like oh wow there's cool shit happening here um there's a really cool year-long class there's a lot of crafty stuff there's little potions and also also altar cloth that i hope we'll talk about later so yeah um we're collaborating a little bit at the moment because um there's website magic happening as well and so, yeah, I'm just, uh, just really excited. And also want to say that we were talking about introductions and how hard they are. And um, yeah, it's just true. They're super hard. I usually ask my guests to introduce themselves. And we were just both saying how hard it is for to find the right words and to say something that really kind of in a few sentences describes the words that the work that we do so anyway that's not going to happen today so sorry <laughs> but as you know there's always cool people on the podcast that uh, bring magic so it's going to be great title or no title okay so this was a long ranty in <laughs> intro I will hand it over to you now hi tell us where you are in the world right now and what nature is like around you I am in Northampton Massachusetts in the United States um, I'm on unceded Nipmuc and Pecumtuck ancestral lands. It is um, kind of officially feeling like fall now. I think for a lot of people around here, last night was the first hard frost. Oh, wow. So it's definitely getting colder and darker. And we're really feeling the the tangibleness of the veils thinning mm. moving towards Samhain in a couple of weeks. So this tends to be my favorite time of year in a lot of ways. Um, so nature around me is really, it's actually, it's a weird, it's a weird year, like with the foliage, like I live in an area where um, the colors of the leaves of the deciduous trees changing in the fall is such like a, gorgeous and sought after and long-awaited experience and this year colors seem to be coming out a lot slower um but yeah like all the plants are making seed and dying back and winding down and the perennials are sending energy into their roots and preparing for the snow yeah. to happen mm -hmm. so that's where I am yeah, sounds beautiful. I also wish everyone had seen uh, the beautiful knitted things you were wearing when we were still on uh. <laughs> yeah, Very seasonal and cozy. I also just had a nap, so I think we're, we're in the same vibe. <laughs> Definitely. Totally. <laughs> 
if you don't mind, I would love to kind of dive into the deep end and ask you what you feel uh, witchcraft means to you at the moment, but also maybe in the past, like maybe you have some thoughts about how your understanding or relationship to witchcraft and magic changed over time. Yeah. Um, there's this way that in terms of identity, this is true for most of my identities that I feel like because I am a thing, everything I do falls under the category of that thing. Mm -hmm. um, like I feel that way about queerness and about femness that because I'm femme, everything I do is femme, even things that people are like, oh, that's kind of masculine or whatever. I'm like, no, this is how I do it as a femme. This makes it a femme thing. And I feel that way about being a witch and witchcraft too, that kind of, it's such an integral core part of my identity and why I'm here, that it permeates everything I do in my life. So in some ways I feel like everything that I do that feels really resonant and life affirming to me, I would consider witchcraft. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like the core, at this point, like the core kind of values or beliefs that my witchcraft and my witchness revolves around is what like Western people like to call animism, like just acknowledging the personhood or the spirit and the kinship or relationship to all things. Mm -hmm. And for me on both sides of the veil. Mm -hmm. um, and I was actually raised anti-capitalist and anti-establishment. Um, but even if I wasn't, I feel like it would feel like a no brainer to have, um, to have values of, but like if my witch identity is based on the life affirming and the earth affirming, then my values are in alignment with challenging and shifting consciousness away from patriarchal white supremacist, colonial, ecocidal mania that Western culture is really obsessed with right now. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, really my witchcraft is about relationship. Like it's about relationship with myself, like how I explore and get to know and embrace my shadow parts in particular, um, but all of my parts. Uh -huh and my relationship with the land that I live on and the land also kind of like reaching out um, and hopefully visiting more and more like the land that my ancestors lived on in Europe and my relationship with plant loves and with deity and with my ancestors who love me beyond all reason. Um, so I feel like that is what I would say about my witchcraft right now. And it's funny thinking back, like I kind of came out as a witch when I was 11, the summer that I was 11. Um, what was that like? It was lonely. <laughs> it was interesting. Um, I mean, just thinking about, like, a, I'm, I feel incredibly blessed in that 
the values that my parents instilled in me are still for the most part my values now mm -hmm. and I wasn't raised with any particular religious or spiritual tradition um my dad was raised catholic my mom was raised baptist but just the way my parent both my parents but particularly my dad like lived his life in relationship with the land we lived on we like lived in the middle of the woods three miles off the grid and just kind of like his values in terms of land stewardship even though he didn't have like a very like nuanced analysis of being like um of like settler colonizer stock um homesteading on land but still like the way he interacted with the land and his values i realized later i'm like oh these are pagan like these feel like in alignment with pagan values. Like I did learn a lot of tenets of paganism from him, even though that wasn't a way he like actively identified. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, coming out as a witch at 11, a lot, like pretty much all of my information um, was coming from books both from fiction and nonfiction. Like it started with reading The Mists of Avalon when I was 11 and being like, <laughs> I wanted to wake up with a blue crescent moon on my forehead, like some like very tangible symbol of being like chosen by the goddess. I like had this, had this really painful feeling when I was a kid, like I, was raised on uh, like um, my parents read me and my sister like adult fantasy a lot <laughs> from the time we were really young like I was raised on fantasy um, but there's this way that I was always really convinced that I wasn't magical like I read these books where like these or like when I was reading more like um, kid or young adult fantasy like these kids that were like chosen that were special that could like hear the voices of animals and plants very clearly in a way that they could not deny you know like yeah. these things that I was like why can't I see fairies why is no one speaking to me in a way that I can't deny you know like I had this like really deep grief that there was something about me that that wasn't magical or wasn't chosen mm -hmm. Um, and I think that has to do with a lot of things. I think it has to do with like the like complex trauma that was happening to me as a kid, but also like this way of being like, I am not being raised. And I was like for, in terms of like our culture, like I really was being raised more to be in connection and relationship with the land more than most people are. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. But in terms of like, like I think even as a kid, I was wanting something like to be raised in a cohesive, intact community with a tradition mm -hmm. reaching back generations of being in relationship and connection to the earth in this very specific way. And somehow like I internalized my grief around that to be like oh it's because there's something wrong with me and I'm not magical enough to like have that connection or something um but yeah I read a lot of kind of like 
very like regimented more like ceremonial magic um books about witchcraft where I like have memories of going out under the moon and like burning my little spell in the driveway <laughs> um do you know is sweet yeah I'm trying to think like in terms of your original question like what so yeah like at the like when I entered in I think yeah I don't know I think that I was so young and it was so like exploratory that yeah I think I just wanted to feel magical and feel in connection with forces outside of what seemed like the mundane or like tangible world mm-hmm. yeah that's beautiful and understandable um but did you get to kind of play outside in nature um by yourself as a kid a lot yeah yeah it's like that very interesting thing of in a lot of ways being like really emotionally neglected as a kid <laughs> where you're like I have so much freedom <laughs> like we just kind of like at different points there were like groups of kids that grew up on my same mountain that I was friends with and we were just like roam all over um which was very special and luckily nothing bad ever happened like somebody got really hurt or anything um but yeah yeah like both directly on the land that I lived on I was outside a fair amount um and then we had some really gorgeous little rivers on our mountain that we would walk kind of like maybe a couple miles to or something Mm -hmm. um But yeah, I feel like, I definitely feel like that, that land and my connection with that land got me through in a lot of ways. And also like, there always felt like something, like there was something there that was slightly blocking it. Like I was always also like very concerned with with like being lonely for other people and wanting certain like social things or um, like connection in that way that I feel like kind of blocked me from like really deepening into that connection in a way that I almost wish I had or something, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. What was your, I don't, I'm trying to think of I've ever heard you tell your kind of like. The magic story. (laughs) Yeah, like your witch coming out story or whatever. If you've told it on this podcast a bunch of times, you can tell me later. No, I actually haven't. haven't. That's interesting. Um, I have different weird memories. One thing that has become clear to me only recent is that I have such a weird way of dreaming and I as does my dad and I um, have memories of even as a small child and then 
in school age and then as a teenager dreaming that when I was in danger I could turn into a blackbird mm. and I'm still and I just recently had another of those dreams and I remembered how many times I already had them and then wow. it's been a while and now they're back and I'm really excited about it um so that's, that's so beautiful <laughs> yeah um, so that's kind of one thing that feels like a childhood magic memory. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, also when I was 11, which feels like a very significant age for me, for some reason, mm-hmm. um, I decided to not celebrate my 11th birthday, but instead um, I just wished for book money. And I went to a big bookstore and I got a book on witchcraft. And I remember mm. I was allowed to go by myself and like just choose whichever book I wanted. And it's quite an odd book. I have, um, I lost it over the years and then I bought another copy. Um, it's German. I don't know what the English title would be. But anyway, it is a bit odd. I don't, I don't think that I would have chosen it today <laughs> as like <laughs> into witchcraft. Um, but it was certainly like a really interesting choice, but I just had no space to kind of really explore that further um, with other people. I lived in an inner city environment mm-hmm. and um, I think around 12, I very quickly just was so overcome by the desire to fit in and just like, you know, not be bullied anymore <laughs> that, was, that was great that I um kind of left that to the side for quite some mm-hmm. time but I do remember um before that as a young child and then in primary school and then kind of before 11 doing something that could be considered meditating like I would mm-hmm. often wake up in the night and then go to sit under my window in the moonlight and mm-hmm. close my eyes and imagine magical things and that was quite nice uh, yeah, that's a bit of the story. <laughs> oh, beautiful, babe. Thanks. Um, I would love to shift to talk about plants a little bit because they, I mean, what would be, be about them, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm wondering kind of what plants you're most excited about or close to at the moment and what they mean to you. Mm. There's so many. Um There's kind of like um for my for my personal like how I take plants like plant bodies into my body um I'm pretty oriented towards teas and um I like go in and out of being consistent with making my infusions but one of my goals this summer was to kind of collect enough of my like favorite tea plants to actually let me make like strong decoctions most of the time like through the winter Mm -hmm. um and my favorites for that are lemon balm Mm -hmm. lemon balm is like um Yeah, like I started working with Lemon Balm probably when I was like 19. And I was actually going to talk about this a little later. Um, So it fits in there too. But Lemon Balm, my mom actually introduced me to Lemon Balm. I was dealing... Yeah, I was like, my 
<laughs> it's sometimes funny. I'm like, my teens were really hard. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much from like seven <laughs> to <Yeah>. currently, <laughs> I've dealt with a lot of um, symptoms of complex post-traumatic stress disorder, like depression and anxiety and um through my teens I would have like a lot of like really really intense bursts of hard to manage emotion and I was self-harming and dealing with like daily suicidal ideation mm -hmm. and um Yeah, somehow, I mean, I guess I was talking to my mom about it. So she sent me this giant bag of dried lemon balm and I was drinking it in teas and just that like the sweetness that lemon balm brings where it's like, they're so soothing, but they also like have that like sweet uplift at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like there is this way that my relationship with them was one of like as like a kind of young adult um and that was about the time that I started studying plants on my own I was living in Portland Oregon and studied on my own for a couple of years and then started studying with teachers um and lemon balm was one of the my like first loves in that period that I worked with as a like kind of almost adult person or something <laughs> yeah um <laughs> what I'm still in that stage, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, but some other ones that I dried this year for tea are catnip, which I also love for, um, like, as a nervine, like, a really sweet nervine. Catnip is so nice for, like, any kind of, like, anxiety held in the stomach that affects the digestion, um, and they're so delicious, too. Um, also rosemary like I love the like dual like soothing um and stimulating action of rosemary yeah um nettles there's a huge patch of nettles it's so like it's weird here like nettles grow really differently in the northwest it's like funny I lived in the northwest from the time I was 17 to 25 and that those were like formative years of me learning with plants and nettles grow really different like over here you can kind of find them like often you find them on farms or like whatever but like for whatever reason the land that my friend Danielle who's a flower farmer who I collaborate with a lot with um the farm that she leases land from has like big patches of nettles so I got to harvest a bunch of nettles this year which was very exciting um but in terms of the plants that live right around me, I feel like my relationship with mugwort, there's um, mugwort that's naturalized all around my parking lot. Okay. And I've been in relationship with them the whole eight years I've lived here and it just keeps deepening. This year I was giving them, I was like feeding them a lot of um, the like blood water from my soaked menstrual pads. And that I feel like is such a, I don't know, it just like builds this deep intimacy in this different way to like share parts of your body or like parts of our bodies back and forth with each other or whatever. Um, 
And I also really admire them so much. This one patch in particular grows up every single year in this pile of sand <laughs> on part of the parking lot where like the snow plow will push all the snow in this giant mound. And when it melts, all the sand from the road is there. And that's where the mugwort grows up. Like it's just, yeah. they're so amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah i'm also very <laughs> i'm all speaking of that kind of like tenacity and brilliance this is the first year that i worked with indigo um with japanese indigo as a fresh plant and i'm having like similar awe and admiration i did a pigment extraction where i soaked a whole bunch of plant in water two different batches of water over like a week and a half and then put the plant material, which was looked like pretty much mostly rotten in my compost pile. And it started sprouting. Wow. <laughs> like they're just such an amazingly tenacious plant that just really, yeah, yeah. it's really beautiful to watch. Yeah, totally, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking about tenacity, I would love to hear um, your thoughts on magic as a as a part of self care in a way, especially as someone who is also struggling with chronic illness. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like the point of this question is probably to share some things that might be like inspiring or useful to other people. <laughs> and I don't know if I have any good answers in that realm. Like what came to me thinking about that was, was how, I mean, talking about like one of the foundations of my witch identity and my witchcraft being relationship and connection with the living world and the spirit world. Um, just thinking about how, how I feel like I am here right now, like how I feel like I got through my life to this point as somebody who has dealt with suicidal ideation for most of my life. Mm -hmm. Like I really attribute that to my relationship with the goddess and with the land and with like my plant friends um and all plants in general but like the ones that i'm particularly acquainted with and connected to um and particularly as somebody who has felt really isolated from other humans for most of my life, either because I grew up extremely isolated and like actually away from people or just in general as someone who is on the like hermity introverted side of things in general, but then as I get older and as my chronic illness gets more and more like something that impacts the way I live my life like I just I both like um 
choose isolation and just feel isolated more and more. So turning to my relationship with spirit feels, has like often felt like a lot safer to be vulnerable in that space, like with the land and with spirit mm-hmm. and with plants than with other humans. Um, and yeah i feel like my devotional relationship with goddess there's actually like a lot of like ancestral um deity that i feel claimed by and work with and work for um and that process i actually devoted myself um pretty young and very like (laughs) I don't know if this has ever happened to you but um I had an experience like so yeah like you mentioned this kind of when you were talking about your younger witchhood but I definitely went through a period in my teens where I lost faith um and was really freaked out by the world as I became more and more aware of what the world was like and um reconnected kind of in my early 20s with like a formalized practice and through my work with Colette Gardner in Portland, Oregon, both as like an herbal student and then as a witch student. Um, And through my like, she was the first kind, well, that's not true. She was like, as an adult seeking out guidance, she was my first like psychic counselor person that I saw. and really helped me like form a more formalized practice. But at that time I was doing this thing that I don't recommend. Um, I was just, I was being a little sloppy with, with stuff. I mean, it was fine, but I always, I felt the safest and most comforted and most connected in circle. Um, And particularly like, invoking the elements so I would do that all the time and then I would never close it (laughs) because I was like I don't want to stop feeling this feeling so I would just like go to sleep or whatever um but yeah I was casting circle a lot with no real I wasn't like I'm gonna do this working that I have a specific plan for and I'm gonna cast circle I was just casting circle to like feel in that in-between place and feel the elements strongly present with me and um, be in that space and in that connection with them. And this one night, and it's the first time that I really remember this happening, although it's happened since then, I think I was just kind of like that mix between like when you're at your altar and you're just talking to spirit and it becomes praying or like they cycle in and out of each other. And I just fell into this place that was so deeply between that when I woke up the next day, I was like, did that happen? Did I dream that? Was that really a thing? But I basically like dedicated myself to the underworld goddesses. Um, because that's what felt right to do. Um, And in retrospect, I feel like it was essential to do and that like me having that kind of like intensive support that you have when 
you kind of uh, are working with like surrender and devotion to deity. Um, like I've really needed that in my life. Like there was maybe a couple years of my life where I actually like physically felt one of the goddesses I work with like pressed against my back at all times oh, <laughs> because yeah. I just needed that, you know, like, yeah. um, so in that way, like as someone who's chronically ill and who deals with like mental health issues and whatever, like I feel like my relationships with spirit have been like essential for me staying embodied in this time and place. Um, And I wish I had some like very easy and accessible and handy self-care practices (laughs) around that that I could offer. (laughs) That's what I got for that question. (laughs) That's perfect. It was a really beautiful answer and I can relate so much to what you said about finding so much comfort and beauty and being Mm. held in devotion. And, And yeah, that's something I'm kind of trying to revisit again as well. Mm. Transition between discipline and the moment where it becomes devotion and yeah it's just beautiful it's just really relaxing and comforting and just such it can be such good surrender yeah yeah (sighs) (laughs) I also really love all the things that you make with your hands and yeah I would love to hear a little bit about that and you know what that means in your life and how you make these things maybe where your ideas come from or what your creative process is like yeah yeah um I mean my creative process again is another thing <laughs> that keeps me here <laughs> we can just talk about all of them um my sorry just shifting position a little um my mom is an incredible creative person and she taught me how to sew and how to crochet um, very early. Like I remember, I think it was for my ninth birthday, she bought this like old Singer sewing machine that had like one of the big iron treadle pedals and I was too little to control it with my foot so she changed it to be a crank like um on the side so you sewed with like one hand pushing it through and then cranked with the other to make the needle go which was really amazing um and handcrafts and particularly working with textiles is just something that always resonated with me and then I taught myself a lot of different things um like I taught myself to knit when I was like 15 or 16 um, and kind of taught myself to embroider like embroidery has been something that I've gone in and out of there's just there's so many things that I love doing and my creative passion kind of like steers me between them and through them um 
right now kind of marrying my love of working with plants and textiles through the altar cloths has been really amazing. Um, like doing botanical dyeing and then hand sewing the edges of these cloths for folks to use as their own magical tools, however they see fit, like either as little altar cloths or to wrap cards or however. Um, that's been really special and I've been thinking more and more and also like coming across information more and more about how making textiles has always been an act of magic and how very deliberate magical practices were always involved in that act of making cloth and making things for people to wear or use. Um, particularly, yeah, like with plant dyes, like the protect, like the magically protective qualities of it that have, that once everybody knew, <laughs> um, as well as like medicinal qualities of having like plant dyes against your skin. I actually, and this is like, this is kind of like something that I think most traditional people did. And I actually just was like looking at Instagram earlier and this totally brilliant, um, he works with indigo a lot and this natural dyer from Mali, um, Abukar Fofana, I think his name is. He was talking about, he has this like big farm where he's like preserving a lot of biodiversity in Mali. Um, and he was talking about, they started growing turmeric and how his grandmother who was an herbalist um, would have them harvest wild turmeric to use as dye for cloth that she would like prescribe to people as a, like as part of the medicinal treatment, which is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, so this is something that like my ancestors knew at some point as well. And um, that's something that I'm really excited to connect with more and bring into consciousness more. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, with my creative process in general, like I think a lot about like the elemental power of fire that we talk about, like fire being like in the realm of fire, like you have passion, you have creativity, and it's also like the energy that keeps our bodies moving and animate and, um, getting out of bed. And like literally some days what gets me out of bed is the fact that I have like a pot of plant like a plants and water and cloths that have been soaking all night that I get to like unwrap in the morning and it feels like I'm leaping out of bed like it I did as a kid when we celebrated Christmas or something you know like to be like we get to unwrap it um and more and more also like if my creative passion isn't engaged with something it's harder for me to focus on it and pay attention to it like it feels torture which is hard and there are places where my creative passion being so much the driving force of me doing something have been 
a little bit frustrating um, and something that maybe I will learn one day to work with, but the place that that shows up the most is with my writing. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> that I used to be a fiction writer and I think I will be again and I'm like gestating a lot of things, but I've never had a writing practice. I've never like worked on the like daily grind of creating like a writing practice or focusing on the craft of writing. Like when I wrote short stories, I always waited for that like lightning strike to hit that just totally took me over and then worked on a story until it was done and then I was done, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I both, yeah, I both love that and it's one of the best feelings and greatest sources of joy in my life and also hope to one day learn how to have a little bit more of a disciplined process that can kind of push me through in the times when that isn't as engaged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would love these processes to become as devotional as some other more directly magical and magically yeah. engaged practices. Mm -hmm. oh, that would be beautiful. Like I would love to feel like sitting down to write is just like sitting down at the altar and I totally know it can be but it just totally yeah <laughs> I think it's just still like peeling away layers of things that I've learned in school that keep me at the moment from feeling exactly that way um, yeah and I think also discovering the like deliberately magical practices that work for us doing that because I mean, like, especially for the novel that I really want to write one day, there's definitely going to be some aspect of that that I need to find. Um, and I've heard other authors talk about this, of like their process of like channeling that information that needs to come through and doing like really deliberate, like dreaming work with it or like, tapping into messages from spirit in like very deliberate ways of like what needs to be channeled through like what does this piece need to say what does it need to look like um yeah and i know that those yeah that those practices are gonna come to me when it's time <laughs> yeah i can't wait <laughs> i hope you'll be sharing when when they do yeah. yeah totally um but you are actually already creating a lot of things at the moment not just in a physical world but you're also running a year-long class and I would love to hear more about that because I'm really excited to take it this year and also because I yeah it's just very exciting tell us more please <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this is the second year that I've offered this series as um, like a distance course in audiophile. I taught it once with um, some people in my area face-to-face -face, um, and it was a really different format at that point. Um, like I've had to change the format for the audio and parts of that have been super exciting. Um, I'm adding in a lot more research. I'm like a I have very little formal education. I'm an independent researcher. Um, 
and that is something that has shifted and changed as I learn more and learn more methods that work for me and also like what research is all about like what it looks like to read something that is well researched versus I mean when you're talking about like witchcraft and um like ancestral magic from your like there's a lot of stuff going around that's really rooted in like very recent neo-pagan situations that people will kind of say is based on long-term tradition when it's not necessarily and that's like it's i i believe in new traditions but i just think it's good when people are really specific about the information that they're putting forward like what the sources are and where it comes from so i'm learning more and more about that and like it'll get to the point where like I'm like, oh, I think I want to talk about this in class. And then like every podcast I listen will also be talking about, and I'm just like, yes, I can like weave this person's work in and this person's work in and this person's work in. Um, like I love being like a hub for introducing, like potentially, like maybe a lot of people, obviously like these people, usually <clears throat> lots of people know about their work, but like the idea of being able to introduce people to like, so much brilliant work that other people are doing and being that resource really excites me mm -hmm. um but the class in general it's the core is nine recorded classes um and then in this series i'm doing i'm trying out a new thing where i'm adding two bonus q a classes where people can send in questions and i'll pre-record something and send it out um i'm trying to think of ways where people can like engage with me and ask questions but i can still price the classes as low as i want to yeah. whereas if i'm like infinitely accessible to people i have to price the classes much higher um because it's a lot of energy and time that goes into that but so it'll be one introduction class that will be available soon and then eight classes that will be the spokes of the wheel starting with winter solstice and going to Samhain. Mm -hmm. and um then there'll also be some like a like resource lists for each class as well as a glossary and i'm gonna try to have a little more like bullet points written out for folks that are maybe like not who maybe don't like absorb information as easily um auditorial auditorially mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and basically it follows the wheel of the year and is a way to connect both to like earth-based ancestral traditions from Europe and also connect more fully and deeply with the land that we live on now, um, if we don't live in those places. Um, I also give some guidelines and tools for creating your own rituals. Um, rituals that will be like most powerful and personal and resonant for you and also take into account any kind of like directives from the spirit folk who are in your corner, kind of to have this like co-creative process of making ritual 
um, with yourself, if you're doing it with any other humans and with spirit to really like get to the bottom of like what magic needs to be created in that particular time and place. Uh Um, And each class features at least one plant friend, like a kind of in-depth profile including like historical and magical uses as well as ways that I really love to work with them and interact with them. Um, So I usually give like some kind of magic or medicine that I like to make with them and like um, instructions on how I do it if people want to try it at home. And... And then I share a trance in every, like a guided visualization with each class to kind of, um, like the tools I give for folks to kind of gather information about what is being called for, for that particular time, like what kind of magic is being called to be created through you particularly. The tools I give are like writing exercises, um, tarot or oracle card pulls, and using trance or guided visualizations. So each class I give a guided visualization, like a recorded guided visualization for folks who like that method and um, want to use that tool for connecting with spirit folk. Mm-hmm. And then I also share a song, at least one song with each with each class. Yeah, that is super beautiful. I I love that it's an audio format. I find that so much easier to digest than video, and it's easier yeah. to just make it to create as well. And there's just so much beauty in audio formats. I'm ooh, I'm really excited for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, if that's uh, if you're up for it and you really don't have to, but if you wanted to, since you mentioned the songs, would you maybe want to share one with us? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to share this song. Um, there's this thing that I find that happens a lot um, in the class that I taught. That was face to face. This came up in a really great way where folks were like, we want to know where these songs are from and give credit and like recognize lineage in these songs, which I love. Um, But something happens with oral tradition where folks are passing these around. Like often the songs that I learn, I learn like at a ritual with other people or something where the writers get kind of lost and um this is a song that i learned from my friend sapphire that she shared with me during a healing she was giving me and it um it's really beautiful but yeah i haven't been able to track down the person who wrote it originally so if anybody's listening and they do know who wrote it feel free to pass that information along um and i'm not even really sure what people call it it's it's a nice one to say like i like for like ritual songs 
I like ones that are really like short and concise and easy to memorize. And I also, one thing I also want to say about this song is that it does gender nature in the wild. Um, it uses she, her pronouns <laughs> for the wild. And I encourage anyone to change pronouns the way that they want um, in songs in general. I feel like another nice thing about ritual songs is the way people can mold the words to fit their identities or words that they feel most comfortable with. Um, I really encourage people to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> so the words are, um, humble yourself in the arms of the wild. You gotta lay down low and humble yourself in the arms of the wild. You gotta ask her what she knows and we will lift each other up higher and higher. We will lift each other up higher and higher. And it goes, Humble yourself in the arms of the wild. You gotta lay down low and humble yourself in the arms of the wild. You gotta ask her what she knows and we will lift each other up. Higher and higher we will lift each other up. Higher and higher humble yourself in the arms of the wild. You gotta lay down low and humble yourself in the arms of the wild. You gotta ask her what she knows and we will lift each other up. Higher and higher we will lift each other up. Higher and higher. Wow. That was so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, babe. Oh, <laughs> um, I just pulled the curtain back because the sun is now setting on my face and I was listening and had such beautiful goosebumps and felt really connected to you and to everyone song, um, across time and space, which was so beautiful. So gosh, thank you. That was really amazing. I hope there'll be more singing in the program. Yes. <laughs> I love it so much. I love sharing songs with people I've thought about trying maybe on Instagram reaching out to see if anybody wants to do like a song swap because I don't actually go to rituals that other people are putting on much right now so I feel like I'm I don't get to I want a greater influx of songs coming into me as well so yeah yeah I'll tag you if I, <laughs> if I get that together <laughs> I mean if anyone's listening and they want to send you a song I think they should go yeah, ahead and yeah, totally. let's see what happens and that's really leading beautifully into my next question which is um what are you offering besides the magical class and where can people find you and send you songs <laughs> yeah um in terms of social media Instagram is pretty much where I'm at right now. Um, I'm at Flame and Honeycomb. And that is kind of the name of the part of my business that is me 
offering things that I make, um, although it may be an umbrella that just encompasses everything. And I want to say that that name, Flame and Honeycomb, is from a very old prayer to Bridget. Um, that goes Bridget, gold red woman, Bridget, flame and honeycomb, Bridget, son of womanhood, Bridget, lead me home. You are a flowering branch. You are a sheltering dome. You are my great precious freedom. Bridget, lead me home. Um, and when I was naming my business, that is what came to me. So that's where that came from. Um, you can also find stuff about me on my website, mielrose.com, which will soon be much nicer than it is in this exact moment because Yarrow is helping me make a better website. Um, and also part of that is that soon I will have some sort of mailing list newsletter type situation where people can keep track because honestly my offerings shift fairly a lot. Um, I have an Etsy page for some of my tangible things that I make. Um, and that is, the shop is Flame and Honeycomb as well. Mm -hmm. um, and you can find altar class there right now. Um, there's a shorter recorded class that I did on working with heart's desire and late stage capitalism. Um, some herbal skincare, kind of like what I have on offer. Again, like with that kind of creative passion leading me, <laughs> spreading out and leading me to lots of different things, like my offerings um, shift and change a lot. I was making these prayer candles. I think that I'm at least going to make like a another batch of those for the winter but I'm not sure if um, those images and those prayers they might transition into something else beyond candles soon yeah. Um, so yeah I think that that is everything <laughs> <laughs> well we put all of that in the show notes and then people can follow along with whatever else is coming up in the future as well yeah. Um, thank you so so much for this beautiful conversation i really really honestly loved what you shared i found it so relatable and i had just mm -hmm. a sense of people listening and feeling like doing a big sigh and feeling like yeah me too i can really relate to that and so yeah and also just mm -hmm. feeling so much gratitude for being able to have these conversation and to run this podcast um and for people listening so just wanted to name that as well I love everyone who's involved in this, be this by being a guest or by listening or giving feedback. I'm, yeah, it's just really nice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for creating this container for these conversations. It's so needed and so important. And I really appreciate you having me in this container. <laughs> yes, please, please come be in my container again. <laughs> I feel <laughs> I was just like imagining the two of us sitting in a pot of Tupperware. <laughs> but I feel like um I feel like I've just had so many beautiful first conversations with people this year. And yeah. next year is gonna be the year of second interviews. I'm telling nice. you. 
because there's just so much more and I feel like we all got to know each other a little bit more now and like we got an introduction to our stories but next year we can have second interviews and go deeper into what we're most excited about and I would love to have you on board for that as well I would love that babe thank you so much thank you, thank you. bye bye